Good morning, good morning, good morning. Conversations with Alaskan Gardeners. We are back on the air. Margaret Tharp and David Lindrum of Landscape Alaska talking to you from the studios of KINY Radio, AM 800, where you don't miss a thing. Okay, Conversations with Alaskan Gardeners is a call-in show. Sponsored by our nursery business, but we are really looking for input from you too. Well, there's a real garden party going out there today. This mist and the wind. Oh, boy. It's just great. I love this kind of day. And I'm going to be out planting in it. That's right. Until I'm soaked to the bones, and then I'll come home and feel so great. And there's luxury. something about working in the yard, the garden, and taking care of business that just thrills me. And today, you're going to be planting those dwarf Korean lilacs called Miss Kim. I am. That are already turning burgundy colored. Boy, they're a lovely, lovely shrub. I am going to, and I prepped, dug the holes yesterday and started prepping the soil. And, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of labor, and you just can't really hurry it up other than having more people working. So, uh, but today it'll just be Dave Pijan and myself. And planting away. Planting away, yep, and I'm looking forward to it. That should be real pleasant. And, the, and you won't get overheated. That's mm-hmm. one of the nice things about working in weather like this. It's right. very, very comfortable. And you get something to kneel on so that you don't hurt your knees too badly. Work away. And the plants aren't so huge, you're going to have to break your back moving them. You know, planting this time of year really is a pleasure. And once this, the once the midsummer time is over, the plant changes its its reactions and it starts growing roots. Roots really start reaching out once the middle of June has passed. It's, it's the, uh, the relative length of night against day really determines a lot of things in plant life. And this temperature. Oh, this they're going to be happy. 50, you know, the, the 55 to 65 degree wet things are just growing like mad. Aren't they, though? Yeah. And uh, every, every week when I'm doing my mowing, I think, oh, well, it's not going to grow very much this week. And I go back and it's like darn <laughs> look, at, <laughs> look at all that grass look at all that grass <laughs> and you got tubs and tubs and tubs of grass oh tubs and tubs so anyway um you know i think part of the thing about planting that i love is i just love being alone out in nature and um i just feel so at peace with the world i was looking at some excavator operators out there at the edge of the wetlands working near the airport today and i imagine that it's the same for them there There they they are are out there planting out out there (laughs) at the edge doing their thing (coughs) moving the earth and just bigger planting and not a whole bunch of people around you know and they're in their big giant machines and it just it all looks so groovy and the you know they're there's quite a bit of scientific evidence saying that that uh, there are bacteria in the soil that you get absorbed you absorb them through your skin and they have a beneficial psychological effect listen i wear gloves they are bacteria <laughs> they don't care about gloves gloves might be good against mud i know but well i'm working underneath a great big norway maple so the ground is really really dry and there aren't any bugs the no bugs in the soil the ground i'm working in is absolutely sterile no worms 
No worms, no ants, no spiders, no beetles, nothing crawling, moving, or shaking. But now that I'm going to be there, and we're going to have chicken manure and bark and And peat, and I'm going to disturb all that sterility, it's going to be a hive of activity. Maybe you ought to put some nematodes in there, too, as you plant them. Probably should. Okay, I'll make sure you get some today. Yeah. So we have... We have uh, enough nematodes for maybe uh, five or six more people, but that's going to be the end of it for this year. Well, I have about... I have yours set aside. Okay. No, yours is set aside for that project. Okay, good. They're already there. So I have about 300 rhododendrons to treat. Uh-huh. So but anyway, I love... I think about it, you know. I should probably give up working in the landscape but i just can't i've worked in what the landscape you, you so should give up working I, in the landscape i just think hello <laughs> i just can't give it up it's like betty crocker not baking cakes i don't know about that i never knew betty crocker anyway i just you know you're I, not gonna give from up. the time i could walk i was out in the garden my very first dream i was a tree and I know little hoes and pruners and rakes and shovels are among your favorite toys. Oh, just they're tools. Uh-huh, that's right. They're tools. Groovy things. Well, you know, and we used your little saw cutting up the branches off the maple tree this week. And, boy, did that make that a quick job. Instead of lugging a giant branch, you could make it into something small enough to easily haul. I, I used that little, it's, it's a battery-powered chainsaw that you can use with one hand. It's a tiny little saw with a sharp blade, and it is so slick. That's great. I just loved it. And, you know, working on a ladder, holding onto a tree branch and leaning out, you know, it's obviously not an OSHA-approved action, but it was so smooth and swift. Yep. I was so pleased being able to do that. And, you know, even using it for an hour and making maybe uh, 50 cuts with it, the battery still shows almost fully charged. So it's really a, a very efficient little device. It's a still, so I'm never, I'm never worried about it not working. It snaps right in. Everything goes real groovy on it. So uh, if you're interested in something like this and you stop by Landscape Alaska, I'll be glad to show it to you. It's my new favorite toy. Tool, toy, tool, toy. <laughs> yeah, right. Now, okay, so let's talk about transplanting things. Let's talk well, about digging things up. I'd like some advice. If somebody has uh, experience digging up and moving one of those big old Daphne shrubs, I'd like some advice. I haven't been very successful moving Daphne's. Well, the advice I received from a longtime gardener was that Daphne is, that Daphne mazorum is very difficult to transplant and not very successful for a lot of people but that uh, he always lined his hole with kelp and set anything he transplants in on top of a bed of kelp. And apparently the kelp has some kind of activity there that encourages root growth. And so we need a garbage bag of kelp before we move that gigantic. Okay. I know that, that when I started working in the nursery business when I was a young teenager... There was a company in California that put out a line of transplant aids, and they always touted the fact that it was a seaweed-based product, Mm -hmm. that there was uh, There's something in it. Something in it? I don't know what it is. But but if somebody out there knows, let us know. 
Right. We're just going by what, you know, I'd love to take advice from other gardeners. And uh, that's one of the things about working in the landscape is that you're, there's new things to learn. You never really get to be the expert. You're always just the student. That's right. Paying one attention. more, one more student standing on the shoulders of giants is what they say. Yeah. You know, you gotta always got to look back and see what people figured out. There's right. a lot of people have been working at this for a long, long time. Long, long time. And the fact that I think about how our families, most of us, come from farming families. I mean, if you go back far enough, you know, everybody had a farm. <laughs> that's how they survived. Most, most of the world, that's right. You know. Back into the... Uh, Agrarian age. And even before, the beginnings of agriculture, when people became, became more sedentary, settled down, came to see that, oh, you can plant seeds. Well, you know, Landscape Alaska is about as big as I'd ever want to manage, personally. You know, and since neither one of our children are interested in taking over for us, I'm not going to be expanding it any more than what it is. It's just the right size. But I look at the pictures of aerial views of farms that are growing... Crops. Crops, not just food crops, but trees and shrubs and plants. And, man, how they manage it all is just mind-boggling and they have an army of people working with them yeah carefully organized and you know there is that about horticulture is that that not only do you have to have the human organization to do it but you have to be in sync with what's happening in the wild world too it has to be so it's timed that as the soil warms up you're getting the crops into the ground and as the soil is warm and mellow and the days are getting longer you're adjusting your cultural practices to fit that all those things are really you know they got to work together like like uh gears and prongs well this is a beautiful gardening year and even though it's wetter than what most of us really want to participate in uh the plants are just thriving i mean it's like they're growing 24 hours a day have you seen all the pictures of peonies that people are posting this yes. week but I, what I also looked at is that uh, Nami Erickson just absolutely put in an incredible garden in her front yard. Took out the grass, left some grass, you know, but has just gone to town as a gardening enthusiast and has done such a beautiful job. And so many people have, have embraced gardening this year. It's and one of the... Made them for the first time, you know. You're right, and it, it uh, is one of the positive things about the COVID-19 is that people are really getting into growing life. It's a positive there thing. There is that response. If you feel threatened, yes, 586-1800 if you want to help, help us contribute to this, and we'll be glad to talk to you. So we're sending stuff out almost every day to different communities now, sending it to Cake, sending it to Angoon, sending it to Huna. People even... Uh, you went and sent stuff to Nome last week. I did. I sent stuff to Nome. No, no. In the mail. Yes. Packaged it up in the little one, one price boxes and sent it away. It's surprising how reliable that system is. Good morning, Conversations. Yes. I'd like to know what your thoughts are on planting, a, making a hedge out of hemlock trees. Mm-hmm. Okay. We'll tell you on the air. Thank it's, you. It's a very classic application if you look at uh, any of the british antique shows and this show you the oldest states all that hedge work not all of it but a lot of the evergreen hedge work is hemlocks being sheared and 
maintained for hundreds of years. And it is simply beautiful. It it's, is. It's one of the most luxurious looks you can have for an evergreen hedge. Yep. We planted <laughs> one last year from saplings, from little baby trees, you know, that are about about shoulder high, just beginning to train them. And uh, this year I gave them their first pruning to begin making them dense. And you see <coughs> spruce hedges all over Juneau. You don't see very many hemlock hedges, but the spruce hedge is pretty pretty harsh and uncomfortable it's to un- be around. unpleasant to be around uh-huh. and to work in, but the oh. hemlock is nice. Hemlock is lovely. And the thing about planting a hedge that people forget is you really want to plant it in a staggered pattern so the individual plants grow out at the bottom and don't get shaded out, and they will grow into a straight line, but they'll have more depth to it. When things are planted in a straight line, they tend to shade out each other at the base where it comes to the ground. But if you stagger it, they grow bigger because they have more space to grow in, and they fill out. I know it's a hard idea, but you really do need to zigzag your hedge so that in time it becomes a much fatter denser hedge and that there is that about hedge work always that you you think when you look at them that you're pruning them straight up and down but you're not you're doing you're doing an inclined slope about a 15 degree slope from the bottom to the top of it so the base of the hedge is wider than the top is and that helps it not get shaded out it always looks looks uh you know, kind of funky when someone has uh, has planted, put all that effort into it, and the bottom part of the hedge is getting shaded out, and so it's losing its foliage. You know, you really want to have it be so that it's, you have given it enough space in your design and in your mind for it to be fully as large as it needs to be. You know, you want to have it. You got to figure it's going to have to be at least two or three feet across. You know, you're not going to keep it any less than that, and it, it's going to be three three feet across plus the nicest time, w- the nicest over one time it's not gonna, you're not going to be able to keep it at two feet the nicest one <laughs> i've seen is that one in the portland rose garden <clears throat> it's uh, some neighbor persons there in that that area and it's probably five feet wide oh you mean the area i grew up in yeah right there <laughs> uh-huh. we and, and there's something so luxurious about the look of the new growth on the hemlock mm-hmm. boy well they're beautiful right now if you look really at the are. forest, there's little green tips, and they're just laden with cones. It really is a coney <laughs> kind of year, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Man, oh, man. Yes. And, but, and the spruce cones, too, they're in such abundance. It's just amazing. Okay, so, so, so here's what... Okay. The one other thing about hedges. You can make hedges out of many, many, many different kinds of plants. The hemlock is one that... Uh, is a fabulous, beautiful, takes longer to establish only because it is an evergreen, but once established is a beautiful investment in your landscape. Um, But also you can make wonderful hedges with alder. And even though alder is considered a weed here, if you manage it, it becomes a horticultural jewel in the crown. I think so too. I think I think alder makes a magnificent hedge. And, you know, there's another thing, that a hedge doesn't have to be only one thing. A hedge is a technique, not a plant. No, so but you, you want c- things that grow at a similar rate. 
or are allowed to grow at a similar rate. Mm -hmm. You know, you can have things that are disparate in growth rates as long as you manage them and keep them pruned to be a, a, a similar size. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to have a hedge that has flowering stuff in it too. It's so attractive to see patterns in hedges. One of the classic uh, big, beautiful estate kind of hedges is copper beech and green beech together. So they have the the two colors intertwined as they Well, they do it. big blocks. This is copper beech. This is green beech. And, okay. and you know, 10 foot, 20 foot stretches for big pieces of property you know and so it's different colors yep that's very very attractive well thanks for that that was inspiration i like thinking about it about that and we have we've got these uh great new hedge pruning tools that are great for this and and the whole transformation of the hand tool using those uh the, battery the new power battery powers the new they're fantastic I have uh, Milwaukee hedge pruners that are rechargeable with the same batteries I use on my drills, my saws, and they're just fantastic. I'm so thrilled with them. Oh, good morning. We have another one. Good morning, Conversations. I'm back on the hemlock hedge. So if you keep it it about five feet tall, what do the roots do? I don't want the roots to do what the spruce trees do, where they get so big and go under your foundation etc if you keep it short will it keep the roots down no uh the only (laughs) way to control that is actually to cut the roots to to keep them trimmed as a part of your maintenance program but if you plant a tree even if you keep the top cut back the roots still grow will grow yeah okay thank you but there is root pruning and there's also there's root barrier you know you when you plant your your hedge you could dig a trench between the hedge and the building, and there are there are several proprietary materials that are rigid plastic that have uh, grooves in them and ribs on them that force the roots to grow down deeper. Uh, and uh, okay. you can and you could even do it with metal. You know, you could put a piece of sheet steel in the ground there. And but, but what Margaret was saying about pruning the roots. If you think about doing that a few times when the trees are younger, you're going to have a lot of, uh, of finer roots rather than a few b- great big roots. But denser, more fibrous. Uh-huh. And so that would be better. That, th- uh, that would. And you can look, go online and, and read up about it as a maintenance application. I mean, that's kind of okay. what tr- nurseries do when they grow trees. Is okay. there pruning roots so that they can dig them up and transplant them easily? Yeah, constantly. Okay, okay. thank you. Good you questions, you. you bet. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. And and you remember digging up our foundation and looking and seeing the roots <laughs> of the, the Douglas fir tree? Are you kidding? Yeah. The size of my leg <laughs> wrapped around <laughs> our cement foundation? Yeah. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Well, I didn't disturb it. I'll tell you what. No. Um, <coughs> the other thing is that a lot of places have been here for so long, it's too late to do root pruning. You can't take a tree that's 200 years old and think you can start root pruning it. Oh, not at all. <laughs> oh, not at all, not at all. You know. Right. But, but uh, you can also, in your design... 
you could make it so that there is a channel between your hedge and your foundation. Sure. But still, you have to maintain it. Right. You know, because plants are growing 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, even when they're dormant, they're active. Uh-huh. The roots are still, still active. And speaking of which, the, uh, the new shipment of tree fertilizers that we got from the Canadian revegetation contractors. Uh, we brought I'm excited in, about those. We brought in specialty root fertilizers for big trees. For cold soils. For cold soils, that's right. They're designed to work in cold, wet, mineral-poor soils. And so we're fertilizing the trees this year with these new fertilizer tablets or fertilizer packages, and they're really going to make a big difference. The small ones that we've used for many years have really been successful. These uh, larger packages are going to be really good for bigger trees. I'm very thrilled with them. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that. So that if you have a tree that's been damaged by bears or deer or anything like that, you'd want to go through and clean up any of the cuts, the tears, and all of that. So Perfectly an appropriate time of year for talking about that, and isn't put, it? And put a little bit of uh, paint, latex paint on the damage, and you know, ideally pick something that's gray or light brown or something so it doesn't stand out don't make it bright yellow pink <laughs> and and then uh fertilize your trees and they will recover and come on again part of the deal here is that that uh the the worry for those kind of wounds is that there are going to be fungal diseases that are going to get into the heartwood of the tree and the tree's defense against those is the outer bark layer which cuts off oxygen to the inner to the part so that the the funguses need oxygen in order to grow and if you can stop them from getting oxygen then they're going to be greatly inhibited and i want you to go look at my japanese maple that lost that big branch this winter i'll go look at it again you look at it again Mm -hmm. i like to look at it and get some paint and paint it for me oh well there's that i didn't do that you're right (laughs) it is and it's on me to do that there's no question about it so uh, I've been pruning uh, big vine maples this week too, and they're such nice trees. Such I, lo- nice I trees. love the vine maple. Let's go back a minute to the the animal damage because we brought in these beautiful Montmorency cherries this week that the deer got into. They got into within a couple of days. They were there, and they were not only nibbling on the branches, one of them actually tore a branch off of it. I was, I was quite upset. Yes, I bet. <laughs> You know, it's, take, it's taken that that tree's probably fifteen years old. The idea that uh, it can be so abruptly eaten. Well, we'll just plant it in our yard. I know you're going to fix it. That's and I it's am. It's going to get painted, and and it will recover from it. There's no doubt recover. about it. You know, and in twenty years, we won't be able to tell any difference. Right. Exactly. Because you know, look at all the things that have, have already healed up, taken care of them. When you come to Landscape Alaska and you look around. At the landscape there, some of those trees we've had in Juneau for 40 years. We've moved them around from location to location with us as we move from house to house. You know, we were the first nomadic nursery, (laughs) 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 I think, in the world. But let's just say in southeast Alaska for sure. We've been at least five different places in 40 years. And those Japanese maples, those big Japanese maples, we've moved them time after time after time. And just, they just look beautiful right now. Mm-hmm, they are. That lovely glowing color. 
Okay, I'm going to be open today. Be open tomorrow. Uh, Margaret's going to be on the job with her landscape crew, but I'll be there at Landscape Alaska, and I've got these incredible hydrangea trees. They really are something. They are just cracking open. Good morning, conversations. Yes, I have a tomato plant and a grow lights. If I leave the lights on 24-7, will that make it grow faster? It'll make it grow faster, but it won't make it fruit more. All right. You know, because you're you're, uh, interfering with its... It's natural cycle, too. But sure, if you leave the lights on 24-7, it grows 24-7. All right. Sounds good. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. And uh, there's a, a lot of uh, n- newly gained knowledge about flowering cycles that uh, have to do with, with light length and light color. And so f- let's talk about tomatoes. So... There have been some people who are having a hard time getting their tomatoes to flower. That's a light, that's a day length thing. That's a day length thing. That's a day length thing, flowering. So the flowering occurs in longer daytime or shorter daytime? You know, you talk about the nighttime versus the daytime length. As it comes closer and closer to, I'm not, I'm not uh, a tomato expert. I'm not a tomato guy. I can't tell you what it is. I could, uh, I could find out though easily enough. And what I would do is I would Google up day length for tomato flowers, and it would tell me that. And then I would set my clock on my timer. Now the one thing I see people not doing with their tomatoes is they don't plant them deep enough because a tomato, unlike other plants, will root all along the stem. So you, you really want to plant it deeply so that it has as much root underground as possible. That's absolutely true. And when you look at a tomato branch, all those little white specks all up and down the branches, every one of those the root prim- primordia, they'll all become roots. And, and they don't pinch off the tops, so they tend to get really tall and leggy rather than branching out. So, so those are two different kinds of tomatoes. That's a, a determinate versus an indeterminate kind. The determinate kind only grows to a certain height and gets nice and fat and bushy. And the indeterminate kind is the kind that just keeps growing straight up and straight up and straight up. Well, when you I look think at thought also it had to do with, especially in the early spring, how long the daytime was. And But if you pinch those tall ones, they would branch out more. If you pinch them, they'll branch out more, but they're still going to try to grow tall. Right. So if you pinch the top off, new tops will grow out from the sides and try and come up like that. Mm-hmm. Let me go back to talking about hydrangeas for a minute. Okay. <laughs> Do you pinch them? Uh, yes. <laughs> but in the fall, you pinch them. You pinch them when the leaves drop off. You cut them back, or you cut them back in the springtime. But years ago, we got these kind of hydrangeas called Endless Summer, which were touted all over the country as being you know, the, the first kinds of hydrangeas that would bloom on new wood. And, and we bought them and brought them here, and they bloomed okay for the they bloomed nice for the first year. And okay after that occasionally, but not anything near. They lived but didn't flower. That's right. But now these new kinds of hydrangeas are really, really floriferous. And well, that city lights strain, we need to find who's growing that. Because last year we carried that, and you saw the one from Juno Roteki that just was beautiful. It's beautiful. And, and that was our trial on it. If, they, if these will work, okay, then we're going to start using them too. Because that's also a low-temperature tolerant one that grows on the blooms on new flowers and it's a dwarf well it's a five it footer ta- ta- touted as a dwarf anyway. five, five feet yeah <coughs> that's a that's dwarf enough you know and you could make it dwarfer of course 
You can make it shorter. It's easier to make things shorter. It's hard to make them bigger, <laughs> but it's easier to make them shorter. Okay, so uh, send us questions. So you Landscape were gonna, Alaska. You were going to talk about that huge, beautiful hydrangea. Oh, it, really? We have a, a gigantic. It's gigantic. And and if you want to come and just kind of you look know, at it in one gaze around, you know, have a little pleasure. Come look at my great, big, beautiful hydrangea tree. Yeah. It's stunning. It's got to be five feet across. It is. It's five feet across. And, and, it's, and it's just beginning to flower. It's going to get huge. And it's like eight feet tall. No. Yeah, but it will gre- be. With the leaves and stuff, it's big. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. towers over Beth. Okay. So uh, we're on the back loop road between Goat Hill and Springway. I'll be there today until five o'clock. And we're done, right, Jeremy? End of the show? Okay. Talk to you next week. Take care, Juno. Landscape Alaska wishing you all happy gardening. <laughs>